Hi, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Um, I'm excited. This is this is very cool. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the uh, show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, how's your day been? Um, pretty good. I was actually just working on um, one of the posts for my art show. Oh, okay. Um, you you mean for for Substack or? Yeah, yeah. I think you've you've seen some of them. I'm doing like a post every day about a different work in the show. Um, because there's as many works as there are days in the show. It's like a sort of an annex where I get to like give um you know uh, uh, kind of uh, give my message about the work yeah i've been reading them and they've actually spoken to me in, in a few different ways and i read your text at the end of but i didn't get to read what he wrote i really related to some of the things that you said um, I don't know how you want to intro if you want to introduce yourself or I, I usually don't do introductions. It's just very sort of like uh, free form kind of. Yeah, whatever. Let's just talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is is like you and I come from music or like what is nominally referred to as like the remnants of the indie independent music world. And in, in one of your texts on Substack, um, you taught, you wrote a little bit about how you sort of felt alienated because you were interested in theory and philosophy and theology but you didn't have like a way to really express it through music. And in I, I'm very sort of like aware of the history of liturgy and a lot of like the old criticisms that had gone around, but like I felt the exact same way. So it's cool. interesting because I just remember being in a tour van, like playing in some butt rock, band that sounds kind of like <laughs> shitty motorhead and nobody reads and nobody's interested in ideas and it's just you know very sort of like instantaneous people like skateboarding and i just felt so lost because here i am i'm like hiding my you know at that time like neo-rationalist philosophy books in the van from people and they're like well what is that and they're just like well that looks stupid or you know and it it was like a time yeah, yeah. i felt very lost in and i felt like music was an insufficient vehicle for a lot of the things that i was interested in yeah i mean what time period are you thinking of like like the middle of last decade or like you know i'm thinking because i mean i feel like the like the overture window has kind of changed you know it's not like well it has uh, now that's the interesting thing i'm thinking like 2011 to 2017 um yeah i mean there's so much to talk about on this topic um 
when I started liturgy, you know, it was very explicitly, you know, a, a theory project as well as, uh, you know, an underground. I mean, first of all, it was like both an underground punk kind of project, which is, I think, more the world you come from and also like a metal band. And those are actually very different things, very different scenes. Um, but then, you know, I had this kind of religious, Deleuzian, Nietzschean theory that went along with it. And that was to some degree accepted in the art world, you know, which I was like involved in at the time, but it's like a very, very small place. And like once, once the band became more active, uh, yeah, I mean, music fandom really could not like handle, um, you know, having a theory message or a religious message going along with music. And it was, it was a, it was like a rough, uh, you know, like almost decade or whatever. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's not like the, it's not like culture is perfect now <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, but, but there was definitely a moment when I, um, you know, like found, I mean, found Twitter basically, you know, and like, um, discovered that there were people who were, you know, reading like urbanomic books and whatever, and also into uh, experimental music and kind of, you know, at, at least occultism or something like that. And uh, like, I didn't have any community around, any real community around liturgy until like a couple years ago. Um, it's, it's fascinating when you speak about like, the Overton window shifting because I I recognize that same sort of thing and I, I don't know how much of that had to do with the kind of like explosion of political novelty or the fact that but I do think people have become a little bit more receptive to like actually in Eric's um, in your text for his book you wrote Contemporary Gestapkunst work must combine Fluxus and Cologne with more traditionalist visions like those of William Blake or Richard Wagner to achieve at a precise multimodal conception of heaven. And that's actually something that like really sticks out to me because I feel like given the kind of like uh, political and ideological uh, disenfranchisement people have with like ideology in general. I think you're seeing it on the left and the right. Um, I feel like it's become more of like an open time to explore, you know, sharing different mediums and messages within mediums instead of having to sort of reproduce this, um, this sort of like field of authenticity constantly. And you see it, it's very sort of performative. It, like it's, it's funny how liturgy read in like 2011, which was like, uh, these aren't my words, but you know, like the metal Heshers were like, you guys are posers or whatever, because you have this theoretical godlike message. And, you know, there was, and I kind of came from like the metal world a little bit too and I just remember being okay. like trying to listen to Pharaoh Sanders or something like in my room and somebody would walk in and just say like that was like gay music or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and so I think I, I feel like at that time, but now looking back on it forward, when you see these like 
sort of like performative, like gesticular sort of like metal bands. Um, there's something so, almost like more LARPy about it now, now that the sort of like roof has been exploded off of like, you know, like people have started to realize, well, maybe authenticity in this sense can only really happen because haven't sought a sort of way out. It's a lot of like the same criticism people have of like the French post-structuralists or, or Nietzsche, for example, which is basically like they're actually trying to substantiate a kind of meaning because you, the rest of you have let meaning sort of go to shit, which we kind of see with like the whole resurgence of trad yeah i mean there's yeah i mean you're saying a lot of there's a lot to unpack in what you're saying or like a lot to respond to but i mean yeah i mean i mean i feel like that's almost going back to like two generations ago like maybe when when i was coming of age but hadn't even really started making anything like like before the internet was even totally mediating music where like people associated yeah like authenticity with like a style of music you know and like like crust punks and like metal kids hated each other, even though their music sounded exactly the same. Um, yeah. It's like discharge and, <laughs> sounds like metal. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, you know, a big thing that's going on is, is, uh, you know, technological and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the reasons that it's easier for, you know, younger people to just, you know, know about, a lot of different things, uh, you know, it's just because of, you know, information being more widely available and accessible and like visual and, you know, easier to consume and communicate about online, you know? So I think a lot of those silos, like, even though they were countercultural, they were still sort of like in the image of like the music industry, you know, and like, you didn't necessarily know that contemporary philosophy even exists, you know, if you're in, if you're into music or something. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, with the trad stuff, it's like, you know, I think like, I don't, I don't think our views on trad are exactly the same, but like, um, you know, in some ways like trad, you know, like individual, like, like in my view, authenticity has to be individual self-authorship, you know? And uh, I think a lot of people don't like the individual right now, and that's like unfortunate, but like in in individual self-authorship, uh, I think there are a lot of like traditional, like the traditionalist culture, you know, thing, you know things like the great works of Wagner or just just great art in general. Um, and the Christian message um, are really, uh, you know, valuable, powerful tools. Like they, they interact with dimensions of the human spirit that like people haven't had as much of a chance to interact with in recent times, you know? And it's like, so, so I, I appreciate that more and more people aren't just associating that stuff with like, oh, it's patriarchy, it's evil, you know, right. and like, and like we hate it and we're, and we're against it because we're countercultural or something, you know, it's like, it's great, like great art, you know, it is what it sounds like. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's interesting that you talk about individuality and how we don't, we're living in a time that doesn't really respect the individual. 
Um, it, you know, it's it's strange because you know Nietzscheanism has been sort of transposed to mean a kind of like dialectic communal sort of interpretation as well. Uh, you know, going back to Plato, and I feel like I feel like Plato is very. I don't, you know, it's hard to say because the concept of the individual and the Greeks is just so much different than the one that we have now. It's like, so to me, it's almost like, well, what kind of like individual are we speaking of? You know, because I, I definitely agree with you though, that there's, there should be place for that. And, you know, I'm not somebody who fears like the sort of postmodern turn at all. But yeah, that's interesting. If you, if you want to like speak on that more. Yeah, I mean, when I think of the individual, I think, um, I I think of Schelling really, uh, or like you know the individual as understood, um, you know, like like Schelling with like a psychoanalytic twist, like you know a mix of German idealism and and French poststructuralism, but like the notion that like, you know, every human has like a unique drive uh, that's only half conscious. Um, or not conscious at all, and that, um, you know, health, like a healthy life intrinsically involves, like, you know, undoing social programming, making contact with this drive, you know, whatever it is, like, uh, you know, whether it comes from trauma or just comes from a talent or like a past life or something, you know, I I don't know what the drive is, Um, but that's like a point of contact with the infinite. And, uh, you know, if you're in touch with your drive, you are uh, transforming something about the, the categories that structure reality. You know, you're, you're excelling in some way that then has a, like a quasi-traumatizing effect on culture, traumatizing in the sense of like going outside of the norms that make sense to people and kind of, you know, being, being like a revelation or something. I, like, I think that that's, that that's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's I, like, it's like a bedrock of, uh, you know, not just like creative ethics, but just ethics in general. And a lot of things could be cast aside about what people have in mind about like what humans are, you know, or what, you know, like human humanism is. Right. Um, and that drive would still be there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you wrote a little bit about intuition and how that factors in. So, you know, Bergson to me, uh, you know, I have certain qualms with some of what he writes about just in terms, not to go too deep into this, but it's interesting you brought up Schelling, uh, you know, I like his essay, New Deduction of Natural Law, because, and Ideen, because he, he like, he, he was really into Leibniz, and I love Leibniz, like, I actually very much subscribe to these sort of, like, oh, wait, in- by the way, by the way, I meant to say Schiller. Oh, uh, Schiller. I, was, I, I mean, I was thinking of oh, the Spielzeit okay. and, like, the aesthetic education of man, but, oh, okay. I, but I'm a huge... But I'm a huge, huge, huge Schelling fan too, and okay. and he's pretty similar. So yeah, he uh, is anyway, similar. but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. My my favorite Schelling is um, the uh, the treatise on human nature. Right. 
Yeah, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about. No, I didn't mean to derail your point. You oh no, 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 no! It's it, that's that's great, but yeah, I'm very much interested in, in monadology, you know, in these sort of like uh, non-falsifiable systems to sort of like talk about existence in this way and how they're sort of like stratified, but not. Exactly. You know, like there's still like this sort of like interconnectedness or animism that that animates it. And I, I find it like really strange that Leibniz, who was basically the founder of algorithmic computation in in so far that he sort of like elucidated it, because obviously, you know, within what is quote unquote nature or natural, you have cybernetic systems, you have spider webs, you like there are networks all throughout sort of like life and existence and you know to me it's like almost so strange like like part of the reason i believe in god is like how can these two concepts come from a singular individual source so therefore to me it's almost like you know this is why i i can't be an atheist even though i have a lot of criticisms of organized religion <laughs> you know like i look to leibniz or something like that or like even the story of christ and it's just it's just too or even my own life and it, it's just it all just seems so miraculous to me you know yeah yeah um yeah i mean life life is a miraculous thing um yeah i mean i've never been a huge the hugest leibniz fan specifically and um, I mean, my attitude towards art and religion and philosophy, I think part of why I mentioned Schiller then rather than Schelling, although I said Schelling, uh, you know, is that, um, you know, Schiller was, you know, both an artist and a philosopher. Right. And um, I mean, I guess, I mean, Leibniz was both a you know, mathematician and philosopher. So he was sort of a multimedia uh, thinker as well. But um, I love multimedia thinking. Like that's just like that's why I like talking to you. And I, sorry to cut yeah. you off because you do so many different things. And yeah, um, I mean it's it's like there's just something. Um, yeah, there's something healthy about it. There's something. Uh, it's a very good like anti ideology uh, practice. You know, because right. if you're if you're engaging in multiple media, then hopefully you're also engaging in multiple cultural silos. And so you're not enslaved to any one of them, you know, like it's very like, like it's easy to like, if you start excelling at one thing, you know, and then you like are sort of interacting with like just that world that you kind of can become corrupted by, by, you know, you start wanting to do things that aren't going to be authentic because you're, uh, you know, they're, they're, you're more connected to like rules that if you play by them, you'll succeed more or something. And like people are very fragile in that way. Mm. I 100% and- I agree with that. Yeah. You know, it's like you can inhabit multiple temporalities, which is, you know, it, the problem is, is that when you're sort of, when you're, the, the problem is though, is like that I sort of see is that you have, the kind of compulsory content creator be on a schedule. You have to do it because, you know, you're, you're sort of 
algorithmically optimize in order to make money in capitalism as a sort of like uh, fabricated sort of, you know, like you're kind of like master and slave within your own enterprise, you know, and you're sort of like enslaving yourself, but self-working and, you know, obviously a lot of this in uh, Deleuze uh, on control society, um, but control society and Gestamp Kunst work, which is sort of like the totality of art and, you know, using multimedia, I, like as somebody who does, you know, visual art, music, podcasting is into all these different things. Like I, I sort of struggle with on what hand am I feeding into this kind of like multi hyphenated creative uh, vocation? And on what hand am I actually sort of perf uh, em engendering like the sort of total mediums of things and experiencing different cultural temporalities and you know that yeah. is sort of like divorced from like the more capitalistic side you know so like i i cuz i struggle with this personally yes no i mean this is this is like the crucial question it really uh, with, is i mean within the context of being interested in the multimodal at all because obviously um you know obviously sort of the, you know the bridge has been crossed uh into like, you know, influencer culture uh, or like, you know, being a you know, creator with a capital C or something. Um, I've, I've thought a lot about this and that's, I mean, to me, that's why, you know, first of all, uh, religion is so important because I think that having, I mean, for me personally, anyway, you know, having an actual relationship to Christ and, an actual practice that, um, you know, so, like centers me um, so that I, I, I find fulfillment in something other than, uh, you know, interaction with the attention economy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that really, I mean, I would like, I don't know how I would go on without that. Like it's, it's like so central in my life, you know, that's why I like, like go to church so much and like try to find, you know, people who really share in that spirit, you know, in, in like really, really believing in God, really, really living in love, really like, um, you know, really having just opportunities to like um, have a sort of helpful, like altruistic sort of outgoing you know, spirit, you know? Um, so on, on the one hand, there's religious practice be, because uh, because religion makes contact with eternity. You know, religion isn't capitalism, you know, and so so you're not going to yeah, be consumed it, by you, this world historical vector but in the same way. But hasn't, like, religion also sort of been codified by capitalism at certain points? You know what I mean? Like, well, sure. like that's the, well, like, this is the whole problem uh, well, this brings me to my second point. Okay. Sorry, uh, not not to interrupt, but uh, which is then rationalism, you know. And that's it. Sounds like we're both pretty interested in like neo rationalist philosophy and uh, um, that kind of thing. That like there's you know the the concept is a real thing, and and the concept is also divorced from capitalism. You know, the con the concept isn't the right. death drive. It it has its own logic. So for me, you know, because yeah, I mean, you can definitely 
a lot of you know trad people are just being exploited by capitalism you know and right. and, and they and they don't realize it you know they're like yeah. oh i like wow i love like 19th century romanticism so much right now but like it's just like being into american apparel or vice magazine like right. 10 years ago you know and they just don't they don't know because they're not uh you know uh like there's just this kind of a requirement for like uh, understanding world history and understanding what thought is and what the mind is right. and what concepts are. And and that has a libidinal aspect to it. You know, that one gains, you gain a lot of satisfaction from reading Kant's, you know, um, and, uh, and then the, the way that I tie those things together is that then you, you know, you have between God and reason, you can construct, um, you know, a system of like agency for yourself. And, and, and that's what I call perichoresis, uh, you know, it, which is like uh, a way of engaging in total art that is, that is rounded in, you know, religion and reason and like cutting edge libidinal, you know, stuff of the present or whatever that like, where you kind of have grappling hooks in these arenas and then you sort of uh, pull them towards you and use them as materials for your own self-authorship, um, which is never like narcissistic self-authorship because it's, you know, under the grace of God, it's like deliberately humble, it's in communion with Christ and so forth. Right. Yeah. That's that's an interesting point when you when you talk about the sort of like narcissistic authorship because, um, yeah, you know, neo rationalism is is very interesting because I feel like in in some ways I feel like the project completely failed because like so much of left Hegelianism it only focuses on the sort of social world spirit factors of Hegel's dialectic. And, in, you know, in, when it comes to, like, right uh, Hegelianism, it also sort of fails because it only speaks to the inner dialectic itself, like the dialectic of the soul and the spirit, which, you know, is kind of more individualistic that influenced Nietzsche more. Um, and so to me, it's, you know, it's kind of like a really strange thing because on one hand, you know, like, like, I don't really know where I stand because I'm, like, just such, like, into outer space. Like, I'm almost, like, destroy all tradition uh, mm -hmm. 